0: I can say as a Virgo and becoming a change junkie the number one thing that helped me become and step into that which is a forever life choice was being flexible you know equal parts of discipline and flexible so I have an intention I have a plan I have a schedule I have goals I'll do my best if it doesn't work out okay right away my brain I've trained myself so well in that way but as soon as something happens and it didn't go the way I wanted I'm like okay that's not an option anymore what are my options And it opens up everything. There's so many options if you think about it that way. Welcome to the first episode of Spiritually Hungry Podcast in 2023.
1: Very excited to be back with our listeners and hopefully share some inspiration.
0: Feels like it's been forever. It does.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm sure our listeners' lives have been very busy and... uh... Slightly
0: distracted, excited for uh, change, 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 and more change. So, let's make sure the change that we are seeking is the one that is manifested.
1: And then maybe we can have some tools to help us create change. So, oh, by the way, what's the purpose? What's the topic of this episode?
0: I think we just said it. It's a new year. So, we thought it's apropos to talk about change. At this time of year we always, right New Year's everybody's thinking about out with the old and with the new resolutions. But when you boil it down really what is it? It's change. Right? It doesn't sound as sexy cuz change everybody I think on some level knows requires consistent and continual work. But change is hard. Change is so hard that 40% of people would rather die than change. It's <laughs> a <just> bold statement. <laughs> that sounds insane uh-huh. and like I made that number up, right? I didn't. Now I have a chart in front of me that you guys can't see. But what it says is the percentage of premature deaths in the US is broken down by causes from an article in New England Journal of Medicine from two thousand seven. PRB, a nonpartisan research organization, reports that the percentage of premature deaths in the United States that caused that are caused by behavior was closer to forty-eight percent. So premature death is defined as occurring before age. Can you guess? I hope it was 75? 86. Oh, the 86. I know. Day. I was kind of excited about that. Good. It's crazy. When you get to a certain age, you start to like, say, okay, <laughs> The goalpost moves. How goal many? It's, I don't even. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that today. But we're, but...
1: Luckily, we're both very young. So yes. that hasn't happened yet. Forever young. Forever young.
0: Forever young. Genetic predisposition accounts for 30% of premature deaths. But it turns out the biggest wedge in this graph, 40%, are due to behaviors that can be changed. And that's why I think this is really powerful. So there's four primary causes, one is diet, two is obesity, three is smoking, and then the first three are behaviors that, link, that are linked to the fourth, which is high blood pressure. High blood pressure, which is also caused by other behaviors like excessive drinking, alcohol, caffeine, too much stress, not enough exercise. So no one should feel any shame about this. It's not that people don't want to change. They really, really do. I'm sure that everybody wholeheartedly created their list. They're still doing that first weekend, what, four days in, five days in? Well, the mother well, listening to this about 11 days in. Whatever. <laughs> it's not like they're not trying. They are. I mean, even if you think about this, AA has an 8% success rate. Yeah, it's always crazy.
1: Also, 60% of people who completed opioid rehab relapse in just one week with up to 80% relapsing in the first year. It is crazy. Yeah,
0: I can go on and on. I mean, if you want to hear about uh, the highest gym revenues in the world, in the US, Germany, UK, it is tied between 6.2 billion in revenue. I mean, people really, really want, to, we, we spend so much money making the commitment by the, the first month, and then the second, and then you stop your membership, and then you restart it. Americans spend $35 billion a year on gym.
1: Well, but how many of them do not use it? We do not know. I would assume
0: a very large percentage. I would, too. I do not know that statistic, but I I want to tell you one other personal story about a friend of mine um, in regards to her mother. My friend Catherine, her mother died unexpectedly. She had heart disease, high blood pressure, and was overweight. And doctors had admonished her for years to get on top of this. Catherine spent her adult life watching her mother with this struggle, and she tried one diet after another, and then she would fall back into her bad eating habits within five months. She purchased stationary bikes, treadmills, stair stepper, rowing machine, elliptical trainer, they all gathered desks. The treadmill supported piles of books and magazines. The stair stepper was draped in scarves, and a trunk in the corner overflowed with exercise DVDs, hand weights, jump ropes, and elastic exercise bands. I mean, it is really heartbreaking, because I think a lot of people could relate to this.
1: I think we all can. Right? We have all, uh, to some degree either in the or past another. or in the present, mm-hmm. are trying to make some changes.
0: The most troubling were the 15 self-help books on her shelf, ranging from motivation, to discipline, to tips on recipes, and walking yourself fit. She never doubted that her mother had not read every single volume of every book right. that she owned. and No one can question Catherine's mother's deep desire to change her habits. She obviously invested a great deal of time and money into different solutions, hoping that it would stick, and it is a sad tale, but it is a reminder of a sense of urgency. Life is happening right now in this moment. It does not begin tomorrow, or next week, or next resolution. Life is finite, right? We do all of our work to make it change in some way, but how many years do you think Catherine's mother told herself, you know, tomorrow will be better, or next week, or I will start again next or month? Or just be,
1: just be down on herself because she could not get it. She could not do it. Right? I mean, That happens as well.
0: Exactly, and she probably had these conversations with herself daily until she ran out of days. So, it is scary, and it is sad, but I think that it's it puts things right? in perspective, exactly, for how we really want to be clear about what we are willing to do to, and honestly, it is not, again, lack of desire, but hopefully the tools we are going to offer is going to help create that change.
1: Yeah, and I would say that I would begin the thought process on this, because we know it all begins in the mind there's a very important kabbalistic teaching from the czar that says everything begins in the mind and which is the,
0: basically the same as consciousness consciousness
1: everything? thought and unless the thought is strong then the actions can never be stronger than the thought so
0: would you say thought and consciousness is the same as intention
1: yes but it's even it's deeper than that thought is an encompassing way that i view so for example where i would begin the whatever and every one of our listeners probably has different or similar ways and things that they want and need to change. I would say, how do I strengthen my consciousness around this? And I can use give a personal example. You know, there we've mentioned in previous podcasts one of our favorite um, sort of holistic doctors online that we enjoy listening to, watching as a podcast, Mark Hyman. He taught his his new book. His new book out, which I, I haven't read yet, but I'm sure it's going to be great. So I would recommend it already to to our listeners. He says how to stay younger. I think it's called younger longer. And the point is, and he says he wants to be the 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 strongest 100 year old man, mm-hmm. and which is so, completely possible. Of course, it's possible. And you know, and for myself, who I've always struggled with, you know, sort of what going down to my to the weight that I need to be at, the the thought that changed and this came from a lot from listening to to Mark Hyman, and I am not there yet, but is that, again, and this is just one example, for me, there are certain things that are poison. Now, it does not mean that I do not eat them, or I do not drink them, but I know what they are, and what it it does for me is it gives me the strength to limit their intake. Hope Maybe, hopefully, one day, I do not intake any of them at all, Uh, but I think... For me, that's where it all began. So it's not my desire to be healthy and therefore the need to lose weight, for example, but rather it begins with the thought, okay, this is poison. How much poison do I want to ingest today, tomorrow, or the next day? So, so I think that's
0: a, a really yeah. powerful example. It's interesting though, because I think we're, I'm much more extreme, I think, on a lot of things. Let's also much
1: more disciplined, yeah.
0: But, but the, the, and I think what you're saying is a great tool. And I think that's helpful for me knowing it's poison, even if I ingest a little bit, which I do, right? We're all human. And then I already think, oh my God, I put, like, it's for me, it works oh, as a negative because right. the thought with it as I'm eating it or drinking it is like, oh my God, how, what is this doing to my body? Which, what i really believe right cuz consciousness i'm probably hurting myself more with the smaller amounts i'm taking cuz the way i think about it right interesting
1: interesting that's definitely true but but all this was just to say that as i think about myself and the changes that i want to make in my life and i think our listeners and the changes that they want to make in their lives i would focus deeply 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 on your thoughts around it meaning what are the thoughts that you can strengthen on a daily basis around whatever it is that you're trying to achieve for me it was thinking about certain things as poison for for our listeners it will be different things but my point is unless that's done and to the degree that that is done change will be almost impossible will be almost impossible like you showed with all all those statistics so where I would begin the first tool that I would really stress and this can't be a decision that you make on January 1st or December 31st this has to be an internal conversation that you have with yourself every single day so for example what I try to do, and I, I would again recommend this, in whatever area our listeners are 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 desiring to make a change, don't just start thinking about it when you're struggling with it, right? Think about it every day. Start your day off, or at least throughout the day, have an internal dialogue. I'm not I don't want to eat these things because they're poison. And I say that to myself not just when I'm about to have, you know, a cup of sugar, but in the morning, throughout the day, and I listen to podcasts that give me a deeper understanding, just reiterating the same idea over and over again, because again, To the degree of our consciousness, to the degree of our thought around any change that we want to make, that is the maximum that we will ever achieve. And if the thought is not strong, you have to find new and interesting ways on a daily basis to make them strong.
0: And and supportive and positive. Yes,
1: exactly. To to your point, there are people I know, like you, are very... Diligent and and sometimes make a little mistake and that that's the other side of it right where a person is really on a positive path and this is something that a lot of the experts on change speak about you know that that there's this voice in our head that says you know you wanted to do x y or z and you just did you you fell a small step it's all over You failed. go all the way forget forget about all of it there's an internal battle and if I can share a story there's
0: well, basically we're saying too much rig- rigidity is the enemy of developing good habits
1: right and. When the thought comes, I made a mistake. I've done something I didn't want to do. I I did something that was against the change that I wanted to make for myself in my
0: life. The shame, the blame, the guilt that follows that is the thing that really right. you'll never you'll be here again next year at New Year's. Exactly.
1: So so what you want to try to do is say, that's not true. I'm on my path. and The path is never going to be, you know, a perfect line. It's going to be to it have its ups and downs, and I'm still on the path.
0: And it's interesting. There was this story I read years and years ago that stayed with me man that was in his like 70s and he never changed his weight his entire life why because if there was a day that he overate which he did then the next day he was strict he didn't beat himself up and why did he eat that whatever he just course corrected the next day and then if you did the math you had too many calories day one day two you had maybe too little they balance out and you know it's like it's all the emotions and feelings we have around our shortcomings, our failures, or the th- goals we've set for ourselves, which, by the way, might have been completely unrealistic in the first place, right? And usually they are. I should achieve this by this age. I should have done this by this time. I should, have, blah, 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 blah. And we definitely do that with resolutions. Right.
1: Which brings me to what I think is very interesting and very illustrative. Uh, and really, even though it's about sports, it's a deep uh, concept that really supports everything we just said until now. So uh, Andre Agassi, who was a great tennis player, in the relative early part of his career, he, was, he, he had the natural talent and ability. He was a great tennis player. But he, he was always underachieving, always underachieving. So one day his manager decided that he was going to hire Brad Gilbert, who was also an older but and very uh, uh, successful tennis player, to be his new coach. Brad Gilbert has a lot of idiosyncrasies, a very interesting guy. He wrote a book, which is interesting, so, they go for lunch.
0: The, what kind of it is? I can't speak today. <laughs> Idiosyncrasies, what kind?
1: Uh, for example, he couldn't, he wouldn't sit outside because he has a terrible phobia for mosquitoes. When he came to the restaurant... He would never sit outside? Almost never. I mean, at least when he in his first meeting with Andre Agassi, as it's told, he didn't want to sit outside because he has a terrible phobia of mosquitoes. They didn't have his favorite beer at the restaurant, so he went out and bought a six-pack. and <laughs> he brought it back to the restaurant. And he had clearly an interesting character. But that is not, that is that's, that's an aside from the story. They are they're at, they're at lunch. And Andre Agassi is listening to Brad Gilbert because his manager suggested him, and Andre is decided, trying to decide whether he wants to take him on as, as his new coach. So he tells him, he says, "I've seen you play." He says, "You are the, the most talented, natural tennis player I've ever seen." He said, if, "If I if I had your talent, I would never lose a match in my life." He says, "But your problem is, is that you're trying to win every single point." Every mm, single point. Interesting. His dad, apparently, when he was growing up, that's think, profound, yes, by the way. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. His dad was, I think was a marine, he was a boxer. And his his sort of teaching to his son was always you have to punch him out in one shot. And so every time as he's as a five-year-old kid, his father's telling him, hit it harder, hit it stronger, right? That's 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 how he grew up. So at this lunch, Brad Gilbert tells him, he says, Listen, you're you're playing as if every point is the end of the match. And because of that, you're overhitting. You're making a lot of mistakes, and that's why you're not really fulfilling the talent that you naturally have," he said. And this was, and, th- and this is the point. He says, he says, your opponent. You have to realize that you're not fighting against yourself. You're fighting against your opponent. You're playing against your opponent. And what you need to do is find out what his or her, well, play, playing weaknesses. against mostly men, with his weaknesses and play to that. Mm. He says, Brad Gilbert himself said, that was my strength. I was not as naturally talented as you, but I always knew that I was not playing against myself. That's I was playing against an opponent, and my goal was to find what is my opponent's weaknesses, and that is where I played to. Long story short, he took him on as coach, and he became one of the greatest Amazing. tennis players ever. For us, for us, that is, I think, a two-fold, two-fold lesson, some of which we uh, touched upon before, First, do not try to win every single point. To your point, again, we are talking about diet, but it is really about anything. It is about removing anger, it is about removing a uh, 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 lack of appreciation in a relationship, whatever it is.
0: It is even about starting something, starting a business, starting this. Not not every choice you make, not every decision is going to be the right one. And do not expect it to be. You know, do not expect it to be. As you were speaking, I got the chills because... Is too be- cold in here? No, because I, before I ruptured my tendon, Every workout had to be as good as the day before. Every workout had to be to the point where I walked out and I was soaking wet and exhausted. Every workout had to be like the like if not it was it was almost as if I did nothing. Then I ruptured my tendon. I couldn't walk. I had to learn to walk. I had to do so many I'd go to pe- you know, oh, know. therapy <laughs> physical therapy. And then it became more about like wow I can walk and I can jump and I can stand and. Perspe- and then I looked back at all the years, like years, like my entire life of being an athlete was that. And then it just became about, you know, you can move, and you can use your body as you need to, and some workouts are going to feel better than others, and some are not, but you know what? They are all good. It is all about your state of mind, but it was really that. I was, I was fighting against myself for Absolutely. years.
1: And I think for our listeners, it is important to realize, and this is a very important spiritual teaching, that your opponent is never you. It is that voice in your head which is not you. Mm -hmm. And that perspective begins the process of really facilitating real long-term change. So when you are trying to do something and you fall, that voice that is saying, oh, it is all over, there is no point in continuing, that is not you. That is that separate voice in your head. When you are trying to achieve change, and the voice in your head says, you are not going to be able to do it in one day, You are not going to be able to do it. It is unaccomplishable. That is the voice in your head. And to really separate out, I think it is so important, so important, to really, there is the part of us that is beautiful, and amazing, and powerful, and able to make changes in all things, and this that other voice, and my opponent is that other voice, and I have to find ways to strengthen my inner, what I would call consciousness and thought, and realize that all those other thoughts, those negative thoughts, those defeating thoughts, those are the opponent that I'm battling.
0: By the way, I'm speaking with somebody today, and I I say this often. You know, people say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of this." We talk about fears a lot, and so she, I gave her some tools, and then she wanted to get clear. She says, "So." when the negative thoughts come, then I should just push them away and fight them, and I said, no, absolutely not, because fighting something, right, whether it is positive or negative, whatever it is, is effort, it is hard, it is difficult. I said, bring them in, welcome them, sit with them, and say, okay, I challenge you, are you something that I believe? Is this a belief system that I actually created in my adulthood, or is it from my childhood that belonged to somebody else entirely, and I just watched it, and I believed, or they impressed it upon me, and said I should be this way or that way? Sit with it, challenge it, and then choose something else. So I think in this whole thing, whatever it is that you want to create, don't fight any negative thing you've done. Don't fight the the lazy habits you might have. Sit with them. That's beautiful. Do I want this? Is it serving me? Is it mine? And then choose something else. What was her
1: reaction when you were? No,
0: she's like, I mean, I think I think real change is actually going to start occurring for her in the ways that she wants.
1: Can you repeat that because I think it's just so powerful for our listeners. Because it it is counterintuitive and it's not what that opponent voice in our head wants us to do, right? What it wants us to do is get tired from fighting those thoughts.
0: It's kind of like this, and I had this realization actually myself this past week. If you think about a bully, right, the number one rule if you are if you encounter a bully is don't engage because that's what they like, right? They like that argument, they like that back and forth. Don't engage, but of course. When a bully comes into your space and is attacking you, the first thing is you're going to fight it. The more you fight it, the more they push back, and it becomes this tug of war. Instead, you can identify something. You can ask yourself, is this really about me, or is this something that is lacking in that person, using that example. Then you can choose to be an observer. It's the same thing with any negative emotion, any negative experience, any negative thing that comes into your space. Let's say you bought that membership for the gym. right? You Try it. You you go on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, you're too tired. You don't go. Oh my God, I'm a failure. I told myself I was going to go seven days a week, at least for the first week, and I haven't done that. And now it, stop fighting. Don't that all that negative thing, all the things you've just said about yourself, stop and sit with it. I don't like the choice I made today, but now I know better. It's going to inform my tomorrow. Anything that, as Eckhart Tolle said, anything you fight persists. So just learn to be comfortable to sit with the things that make you uncomfortable and then choose a different response.
1: Absolutely, which leads to another very important, I think, tool. It's a very interesting book. It's called How to Change. Yeah, oh, I was going to it too. By so, Katie Milkman. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Do you want to show? Maybe you share first, and then I'll share. Well, it's interesting. I, I was
0: there. the the part about too much rigidity. She did. I don't know if you were going to talk about this. But by the she way, she's she,
1: she, she, sorry. She's a Wharton uh, School professor, very well known and regarded. Uh, she her really her focus in life is about change. But yeah,
0: she wanted to test a hypothesis. So, she took two groups. Group one was encouraged to go to the gym at a consistent time. Group two were also told to go at their ideal time, let us say 9 a.m. The researchers reminded them to go at that time, but also encouraged them to go whenever it was convenient for them. And as a result...
1: So, the second group was given a less rigid framework.
0: As a result, group two went about the same frequency, but in a a more varied manner. So, half of their gym visits were at a consistent time, and the other half were whenever they wanted to. Which group do you think had more lasting habits? Well, I would
1: assume, according to the story, that number two. Absolutely. They had
0: gone at the same frequency, but in more varied ways. People who had formed routines that were consistent were more rigid. If they didn't go at the usual time, they didn't go at all. And I can say, as a Virgo and becoming a change junkie, the number one thing that helped me become and step into that, which is a forever life choice, was being flexible. You know, equal parts discipline. And flexible, so I have an intention. I have a plan. I have a schedule. I have goals. I'll do my best. If it doesn't work out, okay. Right away, my brain—I've trained myself so well in that way that as soon as something happens and it didn't go the way I wanted, I'm like, okay, that's not an option anymore. What are my options? And it opens up everything. There's so many options if you think about it that way.
1: Beautiful, beautiful, very, very important. So, and it really it really dovetails with what we were talking about before. That don't allow the rigid voice of the opponent in your head to say. No, you, you can go at 9 p.m. when you said you were going to go, or whatever. 9 eight No point in going, and that that is again where we keep going back to. Uh, maybe because it's one of your favorite things to exercise, but again, this is around any change. I think that, it's
0: probably number one of what people. Or, yeah, uh,
1: but I would hope. I would hope uh, for myself. I, for me, it's not number one. For me, there's a lot of internal changes. No, that for are. sure. For and sure. I think I think for many of our listeners, though, maybe it's their relationship, maybe it's their work. Right, I'm sure many of our listeners have different areas where they want to make a change. It's more have
0: more fun to be kinder to yourself, to be kinder to others.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So but I was actually going to share from from the book, How to Change, is something else. So she writes, really her career began this way. She was, uh, again, as I said, she was a a, a professor at Wharton. She was invited by one of the Google uh, vice presidents in the HR department to help them solve a problem. They had created so many programs to help people, health, finances, all kinds of great programs, and that's, of course, what they want to do. And he was very frustrated that his name is Prasad Oshedi, that, Shetty, that none of, almost none of the employees were using these great tools that they prepared for them. Who wouldn't want, if you're being told, if you take this you know, lesson, if you take this course, you'll learn how to save more money, you'll learn how to be healthier, and so on and so forth. So he couldn't understand why, with so many tools being given to the Google employees, almost none of them were using them. And so she comes to that visit at Google. She says, "You know what? I I have a I have a hunch, but I want it to be really science based. So let me let me think about it." So what she realized, and this also brings us to New Year's, is that, and she used, so used she used this uh, really study or or or, uh, or historical fact as an example. Up until the 1990s, sudden infant death syndrome (SIDS) was a was either the largest or very high rate of children deaths in the United States. It was crazy, the numbers. And then, in the early 90s, the, the scientists discovered that one of the ways to cut by 50% the chance of, of, of a child, of a baby dying from SIDS, is laying them on their back when mm-hmm. they go to sleep. And they started a campaign, and it was called Back to Sleep. Right, that was called Back to Sleep. And again, if you look at where... Cute. Back, yes, exactly. If you look at at most campaigns, whether it's against smoking or whatever, against over-drinking or eating shit, whatever it is, there's so many campaigns that go on, they never have high rates of success. This campaign went... Only 17% of people were putting their babies to sleep on their back before the campaign. 73% at the end of this campaign were putting their babies to sleep on their back. Which, again, raised for her the question, why is it that... Throughout the rest of life, it's so difficult to make important changes. Even as you said, life-saving changes. Forty percent of us, of the people in the United States at least, are still making choices that you know will kill them. And, on, and they want to change, but they can't. Why was this different? So she came up with a concept that she calls the Fresh Start Effect. The Fresh Start Effect. Parents to children, they didn't have a child the day before. The mom goes to the hospital, she gives birth. It's a new. It's a fresh start. So when you're starting fresh and the pediatrician at the hospital says, by the way, here's a pamphlet. Don't put your child to sleep on their stomach, always put them to sleep on their back. You're much more open to it because you haven't done it's not that you have a whole history to fight, a whole history to go against. You have a fresh start. What that's one of the things she found. That's that's why it's often people use and 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 thoughtfully and successfully you news you you Use New Year's as a way to start, to have a fresh start. because think it's a it's calendar.
0: Nine months of investment of growing a child. Tr- I mean, I don't know what's if it's that. We
1: have, all of us have years and years of investing in life and family and friends and love. But the, but
0: the baby has to come out, and the assumption is the baby will be healthy. And then the baby's healthy. So you want to protect this thing that you put investment I'm in. You, who do you want to protect more, your baby or yourself? Might I take ourselves first? for granted? Well, anyway, anyway well, you can, I hear you your can write point, but I know I, 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 no, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with her. I just don't think it's that simple. But anyway,
1: go well, on. it worked. It worked. And this is why she believes it worked, which brings us back to what we were talking about before and brings me to a very important Kabbalistic teaching. That voice in our head says, You wanted to stop being angry, having angry outbursts, and you just did it again. You're never going to succeed. And this might be a deep concept, but I think it's a very important one. Most of us look at our lives as a continuum. You know, I was born on this day, and a person leaves this world on that day. But in reality, if we look at the soul, and life, and energy, I am alive the next second, not because I was alive the second before, but I am actually being imbued with new life force today, this second. There is a a beautiful um, teaching from the Kabbalists. It says, for every breath, we thank the Creator, because every breath is a new gift of life. So, when we exhale, the fact that we are able to take the next in-breath is not a given. It is actually not just a physical breath of life into our lungs. It is a spiritual infusion into our soul. When you look at your life as these constant moments of renewal, to the next, to the next, to the next, it begins to give in. And I know this won't be easy for many of our listeners to really make their own right away, but I do strongly recommend this. It works for me. That when you view your life as a constant renewal, the next breath is a new me. The next breath after that is a new me. And therefore, it does not matter that I made a terrible mistake one second ago with my last breath. That's, that was an old person. The new breath is a brand new person. And if you are able to have that inner dialogue and belief about yourself, it will become easier, especially because we know that change is not going to be a direct line, but ups and downs and failures and growth, that really start looking at yourself as a new life every second.
0: I think this is the actual definition of mindfulness.
1: Yes. Yes. Which leads, again, to what I think is maybe the most, one of the most powerful, I might have shared this in a previous podcast, but it is definitely worth repeating. One of the great Kabbalists said the following, if you do not believe about yourself, that after having done the worst thing in the world, that in the next second, you can be the most elevated soul that ever lived, you haven't even begun your spiritual journey. Mm. And it relates to this point because if I truly believe, if I truly internalize this thought, that my next breath, I am a brand new person. So it doesn't matter that I was terrible a second ago. That, that was an old me. That me no longer exists. This is a new me. Or in the words.
0: I need of to clarify Kathy that because you can't go around acting like a jerk, <laughs> like, oh what I did not. a minute oh, of ago. Of course not.
1: Of course not. Of course not. But we're talking about the challenges of change. The the fact that we know that every single one of us as we made our decisions, or make our decisions about those areas of our lives, that we need, we need and want to change, one of the things that science tells us, which is really much, very much backed up with the spiritual understanding, that if you can be in a state of mind, of a fresh start, and now I am saying that you can be in a fresh start mindset every second, it gives you the ability of renewal, Of getting up from the previous failure, knowing that okay, I made this was my goal to become less angry, for example, and I just got terribly angry, and I can't believe that happened. But (sighs) new breath, it's a new me, it's a fresh start. This new me is not going to be angry.
0: Well, I often have said this that you can restart your day at any moment. You know, often people wait until uh, the next day is going to be better, or until happy hour, or they just can't wait to go home and you know write it off. No, you're you can't waste days. We're not meant to waste anything, right? You want to experience every day to the fullest, even if you feel like you've failed yourself in that day. You can restart any minute. And I think that that reminder of breathe in, breathe out. It's like wax on wax.
1: On. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, hopefully a little bit deeper, but yes. um,
0: the Karate Kid, but a thousand percent. Yeah, I think I've saved one of the best for last. Oh, great. That is, there is no cure, change is a chronic condition. Meaning, that I think, again, as we have said, the number one reason that people fail to make changes and form better habits is because we do not think about change in the right way. So, for example, think about this analogy. If a person were a diabetic, right? and they go to the process of getting tests done, being diagnosed, speaking to a diabetic nutritionist, and starting a medicine to help control their diabetes, would they ever stop taking their medicine after three weeks and thinking they were cured? Of course not. That would be crazy. So, why do we think that once we've made change, it's changed? It's forever, it's immediate, automatic. It did the work and now it's permanent and I succeeded at the end. Never gonna happen that way. Change is like diabetes, it's <laughs> chronic. Well, no, but no, think about scary. it like that. I'll, I'll it's not it's like a cold or a rash, right? Change requires persistence. Good habits need to be reinforced. The best way to make our changes stick is to do the things consistently and continuously through our lives. Make those habits pleasant, and change can last. And there's an author, Ross Ellenhorn, who wrote the book, "How We Change." He says to the degree that you want something is to the degree of fear you have of not getting it. You so can't,
1: get to, it again?
0: to the degree that you want something is to the degree of fear you have of not getting it. You can't force anyone to change. You can't force yourself to change. I have to change. I should change. That mindset just does not work. You can set up an environment that supports change. Have mercy for yourself is key in forming lasting change, non-judgment. So often, and I I really fundamentally, wholeheartedly believe this, was I tried to change things about myself before I understood this. You cannot fully change the parts of you that you know you need to change, whether it is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or all of the above, unless you first fully love yourself completely and wholly. You have to love yourself so much that you are so self-invested and interested in the growth and the betterment, and finding that perfected self, that you are willing to do anything. When you love yourself completely like that, from that place you can create change, and that change lasts.
1: Beautiful. And if I could leave our listeners with this idea, we are in this world for only one thing, and that is constant change. Change can either be proactive, Or as we often experience, if we're not changing, there will be external pain. Well, that's an unfortunate (laughs) word, but it's true. You cannot remain static. Lack of change catches up to you, and therefore, for myself, and I know for you as well, the change junkie, this is probably the the guiding star of our life. How can I change? And always look. If you, one of the Kabbalists says, if you look inside and do not see anything that you really need to change, mm. it is simply because you are not spiritual enough. Yes. You do not have enough vision about, and truth, and knowledge about yourself. But if you are truthful, and have enough depth of knowledge about yourself, you will see, oh my God. And that is, by the way, that is not, not a terrible thing. It is why we are here. That is why I will I'll, I'll rescind those words, oh my God, it is, wow, there is more for me to do. That is actually why I am here. I am not here because I have become such a great person, Now I am going to coast for the next 50 years, or 100 years, whatever those that, that, that number is. If I'm here, that's a sign that I need to be changing. And you will change. we spoke about this before. The question is, are you going to be proactively enjoying the change, or will there be external forces and situations that force you to change? And maybe on the more positive side, if there's something you don't have in your life, a relationship, money, joy, there's only one reason. You haven't changed enough. So it's my hope and blessing for myself and for Monica and for all of our listeners this year that we have the vision and excitement to see.
0: I feel like we need to unpack that a little bit. Which (laughs) part? Because those are that's a really broad statement. People like, no, I what, what do I need to change? I think the idea is you have to you have to understand to to be a person that can experience joy, that can manifest wealth, that I remember the third thing you said you need to be able to see, relationship. create the relationship you want, see all things in your life, good and bad, challenging or not, as something that is an amazing opportunity for you, and that you need to become the person that can see it that way. Can Hence, it. change, right? Because it could be right in front of you, right? It almost always is. And you just can't see it from the space that you are occupying and the space that you are holding.
1: Right. To the point any lack that we have in our lives, and we all have lack, and lack does not have to be a negative thing. I want more. I want more. That is the only path to get there, is by looking inside, finding those parts of me that need to change, transform, become better, and acting upon it. Mm -hmm. And I promise you that if you do that consistently, 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 you will see that those areas of your life that you are lacking become fulfilled. So, before we let our listeners go. I would like to share a letter from one of our listeners, and it is a great time to remind all of our listeners to please share with Monica and myself all your inspiring stories and lessons that you have received from this podcast. We both find it very inspiring, and I have heard, by the way, from so many of our listeners, that they find these sharings of stories and inspiration very inspiring to their own lives. So please continue to send all of your, and this comes up sometimes in the letters, don't hold back. If you have the thought to write something, to share something, please do it right away. So, hi Michael and Monica. This is my second email to you. I love, love, love your show. I share it with all my friends and my family, especially my young adult children, who I hope listen to your wisdom. Today I experience a very challenging emotional state, and I left work early to nurture myself with self-care, to navigate the difficult predicament I now find myself in. Awareness around my own self-care has really taken a new level for me, particularly this year. To start shifting my mood, I focused on what I could do to support myself. Firstly, I released emotions by allowing myself to cry. Once that passed, I visited the store to buy some healthy food for dinner, ran a few errands, and spoke to some close friends. These seemingly teeny tiny little decisions really helped me. To move my mood further, I decided to go for a beach sidewalk and I popped on my headphones to listen to episode 107. Episode 107 was speaking to me like something from beyond. The timing was impeccable and I spent the time smiling and nodding in agreeance, saying in my mind, oh yes, I do that and oh yes, I could do that. As I walked and listened, I felt so blessed to have found your podcast and the opportunities that it has provided to my soul to grow and develop. You both made a difficult afternoon much more enjoyable. Bless you both, Amanda Lee. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Amanda, for Amanda Lee for sharing this story. And as I said, these stories really inspire Monica and myself to continue uh, spreading this podcast. So please, all of our listeners, if you have a story and inspiration, we love hearing from you. It inspires us and inspires our listeners. Send all of your comments, questions to Monica and Michael at kabbalah.com. Monica and Michael at kabbalah.com. And as always, share this podcast with everybody you know, friends, family, as Amanda Lee did, children, husbands, wives, and so on and so forth, so that they as well can be inspired by this wisdom. And we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed
0: recording. it. Stay spiritually hungry.